Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I'm your host, senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here with Glossy's editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff, who is back in New York just for 24 hours or 48 hours or something. Jill, how are you? I'm back, and yet we're not meeting in person. I'm good. How are you? I know. I'm good. We're, we're so close. I'm in Queens, and you're in Roosevelt Island, and yet we are still like ships passing in the night. But that's okay, um, because we've got a fun episode today. We're going to be talking about I, I feel bad whenever I'm like, this is a fun episode. We're talking about layoffs. That, that's not what I mean. Sorry about that. But yes. we're going to be talking about some some layoffs at H&M, which I will also kind of, I think we will connect to layoffs at other fashion companies and also just across the whole industry, the whole like economy right now. I feel like a bunch of big companies are having layoffs. We'll also talk about a lawsuit settlement uh, that Savage Fenty paid this month uh, or this week, I should say, about misleading consumers on renewing automatic renewal payments and all that stuff. And then finally, we will discuss, I feel like we have to, the Balenciaga controversy, which has been a very crazy thing to follow um, the last week. So anyway, let's start with H&M. So kind of feels like, I, as I mentioned, um, layoffs have been hitting everyone recently, which is not good. Um, I have friends in the media at various publications who have been laid off. A lot of tech places did layoffs like Meta, um, and Amazon, um, obviously Twitter had a bunch of layoffs, but I think that's for other reasons. And and fashion is starting to feel that too. So as part of a plan that began in September, um, H&M announced this week that they're going to be laying off 1,500 people, um, which is kind of a lot of people. Um, Joe, what are you, what's your thoughts on H&M layoffs? And then I'll tell you mine. Yeah, no surprise. They have they're cost cutting. They have huge plans for 2030. I mean, very ambitious um, to double their sales from 2021 and have their carbon footprint cut it in half, which I mean, they're culprits of fast fashion. They get a lot of backlash for that. And also, I've talked a lot recently with Express. They're doing similar things with their large retail footprint. Um, these are brands that leaned heavily on on malls, the traditional um, mall, I guess, play uh, from 80s, 90s, all these years. But um, and Express, you know, is closing stores, but they always like have the caveat, like we're, we're leaning into high growth markets or like better malls or better shopping districts with a, a more modern, maybe smaller format store or something. And H&M has the same type of uh, a shtick about what they're doing here. Um, they've been closing stores regularly, like hundreds since in 2021 and in 2022. Um, and, you know, this is not, there's not a, a message here that this is indirect direct relation to that but you gotta know you gotta wonder or like who do we know like who who are, who's getting cut here um because yeah. we're hearing this on the multi-brand retailer or no, no no on the brand side um especially during the pandemic they were i guess cutting folks who maybe managed their wholesale partnerships and they weren't doing those anymore um we want to focus on digital there's been so much like back and forth and what's the strategy moving forward um during the last 3 years that um first anyway high level i'm not surprised and they are putting kind of their uh, shtick about why they're doing it in terms of larger term strategy um yeah how do you feel 
Well, no, I, I think I had the same question as you, which is who exactly is getting laid off? Um, I was I was digging around in some of the reports, and the only specifics was that the majority of layoffs would be in Sweden, um, which makes me think maybe it's it's a good amount of corporate jobs then, just because that's where their headquarters is. But I, I don't know if they've said specifically if it's retail employees or if it's wholesale employees, like who exactly it is. Um, but I do think when that comes out, that will that will tell us a lot about sort of where they're thinking about cost cutting. It definitely feels like fashion in general is in cost cutting mode at the moment. Um, I think the last 10 years have definitely been the time where you could not make a profit at all and just, you know, be spending and losing tons of money every year. And it was fine because your investors will keep giving you more money or whatever. And then now I feel like there is a, a sudden urgent need across a lot of fashion companies shit, we got to make profit. We got to make more money than we're spending. Um, I think we talked a couple of weeks ago about the real real was moving their profitability timeline up. Um, they had they had plans for reaching profitability that were sort of like, yeah, in a couple of years, we'll get there or something. And now it's like, okay, we, know, we really need to start making more money than we're losing. And um, I, I'm not sure exactly what the reasons for this is. There's a, um, a a tech reporter I really like, Max Reed, has a great Substack where he writes about stuff like, like tech stuff, and he not talking about fashion, but talking about tech was was saying that um, the last ten years investors have been very generous with their VC money. You know, um, interest rates were low, and and a lot of companies, especially startupy companies had more money than they knew what to do with, and they could pour it into all sorts of crazy um, projects and development in the hopes that they could be sort of a Facebook thing where you invent something that's so paradigm-shifting that it makes back like 100 times or whatever what you put into it. And and if you lose a bunch of money along the way, that's fine as long as you get one of those. And now I feel like that's changing. And uh, the investors, I mean, I've heard this from founders, executive people, but also from the investors themselves that they're just, they don't want to wait a decade to see a return. They want to invest in a company that's going to make money right now. Um, so a lot of the bigger brands like H&M or the Real Real that we're talking about who have set themselves up as we'll get to profitability eventually are now finding themselves suddenly needing to reach that much sooner. And one of the, you know, you can't artificially just make revenue higher, but you can make costs lower um, by cutting people. And whether that's a good long-term decision or not, we're not sure, but it is a short-term way to to make your balance sheet look better, you know? Yeah, for sure. It, it'll be interesting to see if we talk about the last, the years pre-pandemic about like the glory days of brands like we do. Like there's always that talk about like from the fashion publisher side, like, you know, Vogue you, uh, ex- editors used to like get their black car to work every morning and all of this stuff. And it's like, those were the days. So it'll be interesting to see where this lands. Um, And this is no doubt about profitability. I think you're so right. Um, If you look at H&M's recent earnings, like their profitability is tanking, like way down um, year over year, um, going down every quarter. Revenue is not that much lower compared to um, year over year. It is you know, it's dipped a bit, um, but where they're getting hit hard is the profitability. Um, mm-hmm. and on another are they, note, they are profitable ahead. and it's just, I'm sorry, just a quick question. They yeah. are profitable, but their profitability is going down or they're not profitable and they're getting further away from it. 
Profitability, uh, profitable. There, there were okay. some huge numbers. It was in, not in American dollars, so it's a. Uh, I did not do the uh, the math. conversion. Okay, yeah. Exactly, but yeah, profitability. Yes, yes, you're right. Okay. Um, they so are. they are profitable, but it's they're they're it's shrinking. The yes. margins are getting lower yeah, from yeah. billions to millions. Like honestly, sig- huge. Um, yeah. So. What was I going to say? Oh, there's a story that's, uh, speaking of the layoffs, that's live on our site now. Um, it went live today, written by Liz Flora, and it was it had to do with a survey that um, Modern Retail and Glossy, we did with um, our readers of brand executives, in-house brand folks, um, and 15%, this was, ta- uh, the survey was August, 15% had already laid off uh, corporate staff uh, this year, um, which is big considering this is all, you know, everyone's bracing for the recession. Cost cutting is largely happening now. Um, and what else is I going to say? Oh, and, and there was so a lot of uneasiness about the state of the company. Um, again, this is August worried about the financial health of my employer. It was like over 60% worried about, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm looking for a new job, like over 30%. So anyway, worried about mental health at work. And everyone's stressed. A lot of changes happening. The the markets are up and down and all around and, and strategies are changing to accommodate. Yeah. And, and there's, there are costs are going up for other things like supply chain, shipping stuff. I was just reading something about air and freight have costs have, have gone up a lot. So, um, if you're one of these big companies and you're concerned about your profitability and your revenue is staying the same or even going down, or maybe it's going up a tiny bit, but your costs in shipping stuff is going up a lot, you're like desperately looking for some way to get some of those costs down and cutting labor, uh, unfortunately, is one way that people do that. I do think that can backfire. Um, personally, this is, again, outside of our uh, area of expertise, but my personal thoughts on the Twitter thing is that if you lose like 80% of your employees, it's like your balance sheet is going to look good for one quarter, but then it's going to fall apart because you've got nobody working. So, um, I do think that people who are considering layoffs should think about that. Um, it might make the numbers look good for, uh, you know, one quarter, but then you might be left with nobody. So, um, that's something to think about too. But yeah, like like we're both saying, profitability seems to be um, much more in demand than it has been in in recent years. Um, there there were layoffs. I, I mentioned this at a couple other fashion companies recently too. I think Gap laid off or was gonna lay off a bunch of people, um, but then I think also at the same time. Kind of funny because I think it's almost the same number, but Zara, I think, said they were going to look to hire like 1,800 people um, or something like that uh, in the next year or two. So I don't know. Maybe they've done the calculations and decided that investing in labor will help. You know, who knows? Every company is, you know, different. But um, it does feel like the inflation grim reaper is is coming for a lot of different companies. And definitely does not surprise me that the, a lot of the survey respondents are feeling stressed about the stability of their company because a shipping container becoming more expensive might not feel like it matters to your job. But if that makes your employer more anxious about their balance sheet and then they're looking what, you know, yeah, it can it can filter out and, and ripple and hit every other part of the business too. So yeah, it's a stressful time. Stressful. And PS, the, the numbers that I was thinking of and looking at um, had to do with the um, quarter ending uh, August 31st for H&M. Um, the, okay. It was about uh, operating profit 
Um, it was at, God, again, did not do the math, 9 million Swedish kroner compared to 6.21 billion kroner in the same year, uh, same time last year. And the net profit wow. was uh, 531 million Swedish kroner versus 4.69. This should be billion. Um, it says million in the, in the article I'm reading. Anyway, yeah. um, so holy smokes. Yeah, that's that's a lot. And I understandable that that would get some some financial people at, you know, some accountants at H&M spooked. Um, anyway, so definitely a story we will be following. I'm sure there will be a lot of labor stories for for us to report at Glossy. So that's something we'll we'll keep in mind. Um, let's move on uh, to talk about Savage Fenty. So I completely missed this when it first happened. But back in August, um, Savage Fenty was uh, hit with a consumer protection lawsuit um, brought against them by a couple of counties in California, I think Santa Cruz and, and two others, um, alleging that they had misled or improperly informed uh, customers about the charging structure and cadence and automatic renewal of the Savage Fenty VIP program. So basically not really informing people correctly that they were going to be paying regularly and that if they didn't do something, it would continue to charge their card or whatever. Um, so this week, they agreed to settle that um, that lawsuit. They're going to pay $1 million fine to the state of California and then another $200,000 um, to compensate people who were misled as part of this lawsuit. So um, the interesting thing to me was, am I wrong? Wasn't Fabletics also kind of accused of a very similar thing, and they're both uh, owned by or formerly owned by or spun out of textile. Like, I feel like this is a, a thing at several brands now associated with that company. Yeah, and I I think it's a thing. At this point, we've heard this a lot from brands that are uh, subscription-focused companies that are. So you would think uh, <laughs> this would have been like a, a huge focus. What what are our terms? How are we stating it? Um, and yeah, you're right. Um, so this Fenty spun off uh, in 2019 after launching in 2018 under textiles. But um, yeah, they should have known better <laughs> is yeah. what, my point. Well, I feel like um, for any subscription product, I think most of us are aware of the the tiny ways that they make it difficult to cancel or or not misleading even necessarily, but just uh, do whatever they can to make not automatically paying inconvenient. Um, you know, I remember having to cancel a gym membership in the early days of the pandemic, and that could not have been more difficult. It was the most cumbersome, like inconvenient process. At a gym that signing up and uh, using the services was all very smooth. They had a mobile app, like all this stuff. It was all so smooth and easy. And then canceling, it was like back in the like 1996. I just like fax somebody or something. You know, it <laughs> like became so much more difficult. And it was so transparently obvious that they want people to just be like, oh, that's so hard. I'll like do it next month, you know, and squeeze some more money out of them. So, or even with emails, I mean, how many times have you seen the, the unsubscribe? button at the bottom of an email is like one point font and in a very light gray color. It's They make it so difficult. And yeah, I think, you know, to some degree, those are tactics and it's a small psychological thing. But past a certain point, I mean, a lawsuit feels very fair, you know. 
Yes, for sure. It, it it wasn't. They weren't hit hard. One point something million. Um, this is a huge. It's not, it's not much. Yeah. yeah, they're rolling in the dough. They recently, you know, in January of this year, had uh, received more funding, three hundred and ten million in funding. They're like rolling out sto- stores, um, launching into new categories. Anyway, this is a huge company. But on that note, um, I. I always talk about being a Rent the Runway member. I was kind of, I went on to the Savage Fenty site just now uh, earlier this morning to see about the process and how clear it was in terms of the becoming a member. Um, I thought it was very clear, although to me, I was like, oh, that's still a little squishy to me. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, you pay $49.95 a month um, if you don't pause your charge and if you, what you get is like this bundle, two items that are, I guess, retail for $39.95 each. You get those. You get um, access to, I guess, exclusive colorways. And you get one member credit. This is the squishy part to me. One member credit. It says redeem for any item, extra VIP box, set, or exclusive bundle. And I was like, you get that's for one credit. You get any item. What? <laughs> anyway, it's but it's confusing. a discount. Yeah. It's a discount on an, any item, and it shows the member price versus non-member price. Regardless, I I was shocked to learn. Um, I think it was in a uh, an article about this uh, lawsuit that they have a million members. This is a huge company. We talk a lot about Rent the Runway. Again, their most recent earnings. They only reported uh, one hundred and twenty four thousand active subscribers. Whoa. And they're from Rent the Runway. Yeah. And it's, and we talk about that a lot, how it's kind of shockingly low to me. And um, mm-hmm. what was I going to say? And as a member, I, it's similar model. I pause often. <laughs> um, and they've made it super easy. I, I was like, that's nice. I wonder if they've learned. Um, but like, if I get charged and I'm like, oh shit my day I get I didn't pause it um and I don't have any clothes in my possession and I say ooh can I can I get a refund and they are quick to reply which is good but anyway um it's unfortunate they learned their lesson I still think it's unclear yep. <laughs> I, yeah no and, and they probably have updated it a little bit since the initial lawsuit but yeah it sounds like it's still a little confusing um it, okay so this makes me think of two things one um I have been enjoying recently subscribing to stuff through like the app store on my phone because then uh, on the iPhone, it keeps all the subscriptions in one place and you literally just can uncheck it or check it to unsubscribe and you do not have to jump through any hoops like Apple nice. tracks it all and does it all for you. I, on the one hand, I'm, I don't love to play into the Apple monopoly on digital services, but it is so nice to not have to worry about going having to go in person to the gym or whatever to cancel something like it's nice to have that apple thing that just takes care of it all for you um the other thing is i feel like we we were yeah it is it works great especially for like streaming services if you want to if you want to subscribe to amc plus to watch interview with the vampire like i did and then cancel (laughs) as soon as you're done um going through the apple like icloud subscription thing is a great way to do it um other thing, I feel like we were talking about this recently, Jill, off the podcast about um, around Black Friday when there's a website that'll be like 30% off site-wide and then in tiny letters, it's like exceptions apply and then the exceptions are all the things that you want. Um, definitely, it's not exactly the same because it's not an automatic renewal, but I think there's something to be said about um, transparency and those little kind of manipulative 
tricks. I mean, those those are intentional. It's it's intentional to make the unsubscribe button small and hard to see. It's intentional to have the exceptions apply, you know, applied in in that way. Um, it's not an accident that I think the companies doing that are very much know exactly that if we make it a tiny bit harder, but not impossible, a, a good amount of people will just go along with it. So, but I think a lot of consumers know those tricks and don't like, you know, we, we were yeah. talking about how frustrating it is to see the 30% off site-wide and then it's not actually site-wide. That leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I think that people are, a, a lot of consumers are much savvier than they used to be and that is not good. You know, I get annoyed with, by stuff like that and it kind of damages my view of, you know, whatever brand it is or something. So I don't think those tricks are without... Um, without drawbacks. Uh, yep. I, like you said, the Savage Fendi thing, they're fined $1 million, which is like pocket change to them. But still, I mean, I feel like the the bigger thing is the damage to the reputation that, that, oh, Savage Fenty was trying to scam people or something. You know, that's, I feel like more damaging than having to pay, you know, a small fine. Yeah. And it was interesting there. Um, they acted, well, they were saying, we're addressing this head on because our, our thing is we're all about our customers and transparency. So this is why we are making a statement about this or something to that effect. Um, but you are so right. I tell you what, I think it's okay at this point to talk about <laughs> Sears Holdings. Anyway, Sears Holdings. I, I used to work for the company a good 10 years ago, but I, in the um, apparel marketing division, um, and I literally, like, I even I didn't understand some of the sales lingo that we were allowed and not allowed to use. Um, of course, I was responsible for, responsible for like the sexy copy or like, um, you know, talking about style or whatever, not the specifics of the promotion. But literally, I left that to somebody else because I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, there are so much, there's so much criteria, even people who are looking at it every day. Um, this was 10 years ago. Again, I think a lot of it's been cleaned up because of the backlash and the transparency laws and all this stuff. But um, yeah, it's still happening clearly. Yeah, definitely. And last thing I'll say, but if you ever play one of those mobile games that's like technically free, but there's all these annoying tricks to make you try to spend money, there is 100% a person or even a team whose entire job is to optimize, you know, all the what psychological tricks to make you want to spend money. There, There's 100%, um, you know, experts and, and uh, intention behind those decisions, which can be very frustrating, but also very lucrative. So that's why they do it. Anyway, um, I want to know the on. job title. I'm the. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the if, you're, if you're curious, you should Google Skinner Box. There's a whole like psychological study of uh, addiction and like they use it in casino and slot machine stuff. There's a whole thing. Look, look up Skinner Box that, that talks more Ooh, about that. Sheehan um, gets gets a lot of like, accused a lot of a lot of these like games and getting people sucked into promotions. Anyway, oh, I haven't yeah, played definitely. on Sheehan, but go ahead. No, me neither. Um, okay, let's talk about Balenciaga. So there was a, a I wrote a story for Glossy this week that um, explains the whole thing, but I feel like it's such a big deal that we should, or uh, I mean, a, not a big deal, but a big story that I feel like we should talk about it on the podcast. So I will do a quick summary. And then Jill, if you have any questions based on what I have gathered. <laughs> you have studied I, this, I, yeah. I, I really have like read through all the details. So basically, if you haven't heard, Balenciaga ran two ad campaigns kind of recently. I think they're both from uh, September or sorry, October and November, I think. Um, one of which involved uh, child models with these plush teddy bear bags that a lot of people thought the 
the teddy bears looked like they were wearing like BDSM kind of gear, um, which to be fair, they kind of do look like that. I don't know if that's the intention, but that is kind of what it looks like. Um, the second one was much weirder to me was an ad for a uh, Bonsiaga and Adidas bag that was like in an office environment on top of a bunch of legal documents. And one of the legal documents, which is very visible, is the text from a Supreme Court decision related to the Protect Act, which uh, basically upheld the idea that child pornography is not free speech and it's not protected by free speech. So they're both kind of weird, um, but like taken together, I think a lot of people got, uh, you know, freaked out by this and it turned into this whole thing and um, Tucker Carlson talked about it and it was on Diet Prada and everyone was very mad. Um, and Bonciaga had to apologize like three times um, for both ads, pulled them both, um, they sued the company that uh, the, the creative agency called North Six that was uh, hired to help develop the thing. I don't want to say create because there's some yeah. there's some confusion over uh, whose idea it was and everything. Um, but they were involved specifically with the second ad, the one with the the, the Supreme Court document. Um, so Balenciaga is suing them. Um, Demna, the creative director, had an award from Business of Fashion rescinded. Um, Kim Kardashian said she was going to reevaluate her relationship with the brand. Um, turned into this whole big thing. I will say my my take, having looked at it a lot and read through all this all the stuff, I think that the most likely explanation is that it is too incredibly negligent oversights. Like, I do not think there's a conspiracy or an intentional thing. I think it just was, like, incredibly stupid and they just didn't look too closely at... Because I imagine how easy it would be to get the brief, oh, we want it to be in, like, an office setting for, like, a lawyer or something, and you go round up a bunch of legal documents and spread them on over the table. Did they read every single legal document? No, and they probably should have. But I could see how someone would just get a bunch of legal looking papers and like spread them all over a desk and then take the pictures. Um, that's my take. I don't think there's any sort of, you know, sinister intention behind it other than just poor taste and a lack of um, due diligence is my thought. I mean, I differ a bit. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. In, just in terms of, I think that there was an attempt like we talked a little bit about it in our, our team Slack channel to do something edgy and cutting edge. And I think, you know, sometimes like I'm like, wow, am I so like in the day-to-day -day, I don't take a step back and go, is this like the wrong approach? Like was this, you know, was this mm -hmm. right? Like I just feel like there's so much, um, I don't know, effort of, by brands to do something really like, I don't know, cool or cutting edge or like shocking in, in a way that where the, you, you get attention, but you ski by and you're like, this, this was the idea. We wanted the, we wanted to try do something new. It's the woke era, whatever. Um, we yeah. can, you know, well, let's try something and get some attention. I think that they, I think, I mean, I don't think that they meant to say we are pro child porn in any way, but I do <laughs> think they were like, this is like, this is interesting. This is all like sexy, sexy stuff involving kids, I guess. I wouldn't say sexy. Pornography <laughs> is not sexy. But you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, no, I do. I get I get it. I Especially think, the first yeah. one with the teddy bears. I think I, I more agree with you that, that, that there was some intention to be edgy. I think it's more the second one with the Supreme Court document feels just like an accident to me. It's but so but you're right. I mean, they're they're both negligent. And I think you're right that the first one is is more ooh, what if it was like, you know, I, I see where you're going and I, I think I agree. Yeah, and I have to say, um, 
there's a lot of talk about like the response from Balenciaga. You wrote about this. Um, they apologized. It was more like we didn't mean to do it. Um, and it didn't come from Demna. It was kind of like a faceless apology. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. For one, I feel like he should have been involved. And and I don't know that he was not involved. Or, you know, I feel like he was more involved in the cam- campaign than you would you would think. I, I always say Kardashians is my guilty pleasure, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just watched the um, the last episode or the uh, a recent episode. And, you know, Kim, came, Kim was going to be in the show. And she had gone for her fittings. And they were like, Demna's here to approve the look. Like, it seems like he's hands-on. It seems like he... Yeah, he, I would assume so. He's the creative yeah. director, right? He's... I can't imagine he did not look at those ads before they ran. Right. And I'm not saying, you know, he saw the Supreme Court document in any way. But I do think. um, And I do also think that just like when you talk about Dolce & Gabbana, there's always a line about (laughs) um, they've been under scrutiny. They have backlash. They did this wrong thing. Um, Like this will always be tied to the brand. This was so huge. Like you wrote this story. This has swept the nation. Like unlike any glossy story to date, we're six years old. This is crazy. Um, So this is just, this is big for the brand. Tell me, what do you think is the um, like halo effect or the, uh, yeah, the impact on Demna's original brand? You can say it, but yeah. Do you think this is. (laughs) Oh, Vetmon? Yes. Oh, interesting. Honestly, you know, I hadn't really, I haven't really kept up with them since he came to Bonsiaga because I feel like most of his kind of exciting stuff has been there. And and he's he's definitely done a lot of kind of boundary pushing s- stuff that I think has been cool. I mean, that show that they did on the Wall Street, uh, like the floor of the stock exchange, I thought was very cool. Um, and it's kind of funny, like you said, when it's when there's something edgy but cool and well-received, it's like, oh, yeah, Demna was involved. We're very proud of this. And then when this thing came out and it was not well-received, it's like we, the faceless, um, soulless, you know, embodiment of Balenciaga, apologize for whoever did this. You know, it's (laughs) like that. If you've ever seen the show, I think you should leave. There's the thing where he's he's like in the hot dog costume and he's like, we're trying to figure out who did this. That's It's like Balenciaga... They sued the creative agency. The creative agency said that they weren't involved with the decision. The photographer was like, I don't know. I just took the photos. <laughs> so, like, nobody nobody uh, has any responsibility. I hadn't thought about Vetmon, but Vetmon has definitely had that similar kind of edgy. I feel like they were doing kind of American Apparel style um, kind of sexy, washed out photography kind of long after a lot of other people moved away from that. So I don't know. I haven't thought about how it's going to affect that. But I I do think that it's uh, not a good mark on his legacy. Like you said, it's kind of interesting that he's been left out of the conversation other than that BOF thing that they were not going to give him their, their um, yeah. what do they call it, BOF Voices Award. Um, there hasn't been much talk about him specifically. I can't imagine that he was not involved or had some approval process on on the ads. So, um, yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a huge story. I mean, it's been like two weeks now that people are still talking about it. They might lose Kim, who's like their biggest, you know, brand ambassador, the biggest face of the brand. Um, although her statement was a little bit, I felt like leaving both doors open of staying or not staying, depending on if the heat dies down. Um, so maybe a, a couple more weeks, We'll see. I could, I could honestly, anytime there's a big controversy like this, it feels like, oh my God, this is the end. 
But I could see in a couple of weeks people forgetting about it. Um, yeah. People have short attention spans. and um, But I mean, but it might not. I mean, I, I referenced in my story Dolce & Gabbana, how they had several very bad controversies that were not handled well. I forget which of the two, but one of them had those DMs where he was saying really racist stuff about China and then was like, oh, I was hacked. Nobody believed that at all when no. he said it. And then they just, and then on the one hand, I mean, they're still around. They sponsored Kourtney Kardashian's entire wedding. They're still a huge multi-billion dollar company. But on the other hand, I don't think people have totally forgotten that. I think it, it definitely still comes up. Even people I know who are not really big fashion people, if I mentioned Dolce & Gabbana, they're like, oh yeah, aren't they the ones who said all those horrible things? So it does it does stick in the mind. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I can say definitively right now if Balenciaga is going to totally recover and no one's going to care in a few weeks or if it's going to completely destroy their legacy. It might be a little bit of both. Um, but I'm sure for many people, this will be uh, what they remember about Balenciaga for a long time, especially because it had such crossover uh, awareness outside of the fashion world. I, You know, people watching Tucker Carlson, I don't know how many of them even knew what Balenciaga was before this story, but now that's what they will think of Balenciaga forever if this is the first thing they ever heard about them. So, yeah, anyway, that was a long, winding way to say I don't know. Oh, I agree, um, and I, I do think it'll be a while before, you know, those those little black caps with the white Balenciaga logo, all the influencers were wearing them. I think that's going to be on pause for quite a while. I think that anybody who, who posts something like that will probably get, hey, way to represent this brand right now. Um, and also, I mean, like you've said, it, it's hit mainstream America, middle America. Everyone's talking about it. Uh <laughs> My sister, sorry. I mean, she's in the Midwest, but she just posted, I guess, a celebrity or an influencer um, with Balenciaga bags that were clear with full of Balenciaga stuff. And they posted like taken out the trash. So I mean, <laughs> which is interesting. I don't know who this person was. Um, so yeah, I think that and I think that it was just top of mind. I don't know if this was like intentional or more so than any other brand. I was on Saks over the weekend shopping like Black Friday or Cyber Monday and I saw a lot of the Balenciaga logo stuff on their on their sale um, markdown. So I'm like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, something to watch for sure. Um, I don't think that logo will be out there. No, I don't think so. Um, cool. Well, let's wrap it up there. Jill, this is always so fun. I'm so glad that you were back on the podcast. Um, so that's all the time we have this week. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. That really helps us out a ton. Um, and also don't forget to subscribe to the Glossy Podcast because you will hear uh, We Can Review episodes every Friday with me and Jill, sometimes me and Sophia, sometimes me and other members of the Glossy team. Uh, and also every Wednesday we do an interview podcast, um, usually Jill, sometimes me, uh, talking to some interesting industry luminary um, in the world of fashion. Jill, do we know who's our next guest? Yeah, we do. It's me this next week. It's uh, Fabio Barreto. He is the CEO of Farm Rio, this amazing, ultra colorful uh, contemporary brand. So you'll hear all about their strategy. Great. Well, uh, yeah, subscribe to the Glossy Podcast and you can hear that. And once again, thank you for listening. Yeah.